Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, many of us spend our entire lives in a total stupor. We're far removed from our bodies and even further removed from our own souls. What would it be like to come to know yourself as a soul right here on planet Earth? Why is it, in fact, that we think we can only come to know our souls after we die? Because that's what we've often been taught. Even those of us who are working to get rid of ego or do another spiritual work are often doing all that work without a true connection to soul. Your soul is your own deepest essence, and while we tend to think that we can come to know others intimately, we often do not know our own souls. Even for people who have had an awakening of some kind, there's often a belief that one awakening was all that was needed. But there's a continual awakening that flows through the lifetime once we've begun to see the truth of who we are. During this show, we will discuss the various forms of awakening that allow us to come to know ourselves deeper and deeper as soul. So you want to stay right here for it. So what do I mean by the word awakening? Why do I use that word instead of salvation or, uh, or, or repentance or some of the terms for, uh, for uh, religious terms that are used in the West, in particular in the West? Why do I use the term awakening? Well, because uh, I believe that we already know everything we need to know. We just don't know that we know it. And because we don't know that we know it, we live our lives as if we don't know it. We live in a state of duality. In duality, we believe that we're separate from the divine and separate from other people and separate from other things and separate from the air we breathe and separate from uh, the rhythm of life. We believe that we're separate entities, objects, in fact. We think of ourselves in empirical terms, that we're object, we're flesh and bone, we're a heartbeat, we're a brain, we're those kinds of things, but we're not necessarily a soul. And so we remove ourselves from understanding that part of life. We don't even know that we're removing ourselves from it because it just seems so natural. Everybody in our lives taught us that we're just a body and a mind, but nobody taught us that we were also a soul. And so we, we don't know that and we don't act as if it's true. We look for empirical data, which is important. I think we need empirical data about certain things, but we, but sometimes the only data we have is our own feelings, our own sense of inner knowing. And we've discounted that. We've said that that really doesn't matter. We, that really is not important, and that's not real evidence. But I think it is evidence, and it's personal evidence. It's evidence that we can count on for an inner understanding of life. And what we find is that when we count on that inner, inner understanding, that inner knowing, it leads us in, in the way that is that the happiest, the most beneficial for us and other people. So, so by the term awakening, what I mean is that we wake up to, to, the, to the reality that there's a person inside of us who is wise, who is powerful, who has our best interest in mind, who wants us to be whole and is always leaning toward wholeness, is always trying to guide us to wholeness so that we are one, we're united, a mind, a body, a spirit, a soul, all of that together as one unit operating in 
in alignment. All of the things are in alignment with each other. The mind is in alignment with the body. The body is in alignment with the soul. We're in alignment, and and we're operating in a, in what we call the flow, or some people call it the zone. And uh, people who have lived in that place consider once they find that that in that place of flow or or zone. It feels like an awakening. It feels like, oh, this, this is life. This is what it means to really be alive. I see. And then it goes away. And then we wonder what we're supposed to do. What, how, do we, how do we live after that? I, I felt that feeling. I understood that. It happened when I did X, Y, and Z, but now I can't get it back. And that in itself is a, is a, is a leaning toward awakening, a further awakening, a deepening our, of, of our understanding of soul. So, that's the reason I use the word awakening. I use the word awakening because we're waking up to who we actually are, to our oneness, to our alignment, to, our, to the flow, to the energy of the zone. We're waking up to that. It's always there. We just don't always experience it. We just don't always know it. Um, I don't use words like salvation because we're already saved. There's, there, we already have everything we need and want. It's all inside of us in the package. We came here with it, and we just need to wake up to it. Um, I also want to talk about the journey that some people are taking right now to get rid of ego, because um, that's not an awakening. In fact, very often what it is is another ego trip. Um, I have literally had people say to me, well, I, I don't. I don't have an ego anymore. I'm, I'm through with my ego. And while they're saying that, they're bragging about how they've gotten rid of ego. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, the ego is a, a liaison between the inner world and the outer world. We need it. It's, it's very, very important for us to have an ego. Uh, if, if we didn't have an ego we would be all one or the other. We would either be all inner world or all outer world. Um, but the ego allows us to, to speak to and balance between those two energies so that we, we're not too much uh, too um, invested in just totally being in, in the inner world where if, if we did that, we might even get psychotic. Or if we're not too over-invested in being in the outer world, which means we're being led around by the nose in our ring by, by the world and its proclivities. So uh, we want that balance, and the ego gives us that balance, and that's what it's for. It's for, to help us know the difference between what's inside me and what's outside me. It helps me make boundaries. It helps me know where I stop and you begin. It helps me know that this is mine, this energy that's inside me is mine and I can claim it and I can walk around in the inner terrain of my own being and be comfortable in there and gain power from there and gain wisdom from there and, and love myself from there. But I can also walk around outside in the world and be, be balanced and be conversational and be open and be loving and kind and, and giving to other people. I can give from my soul to the world. And that's how the ego can help us. So we don't want to get rid of ego. And that idea that we should be getting rid of ego is a faulty premise that is, is in some senses, spiritually abusive. 
um, to some people that it, that are really striving to try to get rid of ego. Um, so I want to I want to say that because that's that's part of what what's going on right now is there was there is has been an awakening nationally in the West, um, internationally across the world where people are exploring spirituality in a different way. They're not just going to church in the Western sense. They're not just going to temple. They're not just going to the mosque. They're not just they're not just attending. They're really finding out what what are the depths of their spiritual being, and uh, that's on a, a, a collective awakening. We're we're awakening on a collective level, and part of that is to find out the shadow material that's in there, and that's why the political mess that's out there right now is out there because we're also experiencing our shadow we're seeing all of our racism we're seeing all of our misogyny we're seeing all of our uh, um, homophobia we're seeing all those things that have been lurking around in the unconscious for centuries and they're being exposed now in a real raw and open way uh, so that we can look at it and go oh my god that's in us is still in us. We didn't get rid of it by passing some laws. Like we can never get rid of anything by passing laws. We have to uh, uh, have an internal agreement. That's why these awakenings are so important because they awaken the inside of us. So uh, we, 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 on a collective level across the globe, there's been a shift in our consciousness about, about who we are and about... Uh, uh, what it means to be a spiritual person, about religion in general. There are many people in the West who are uh, moving out of the, the organized religion and saying that they're spiritual but not religious. There's many, and those same people, some of them have joined other movements like, like the New Thought Movement and the New Age Movement um, and the Human Potential Movement. They have, uh, they have begun to... to to look into other possibilities for a way of believing, a way of thinking, a way of understanding life. Some of that has been misleading and some of that has been uh, depth understanding. And uh, so we're, we're, we're gaining new awareness about what it means to be a, a religious person. What does that mean? Some people are, are going deeper. There's a hard right movement in the evangelical church that's telling people to stay you know away from anything that has anything to do with meditation and it's 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 scaring people to death about going to hell and it's it's uh, uh, putting forth movements political movements that are unsound and it's it's doing some things that are really far far right very very conservative um, and and then then there's another group of of Christians in the Western world who are very open and are, are, have apologized to gay and lesbian, uh, transgendered and bisexual people for uh, their bias, their previous bias against them and have, have stated now that they are, you know, that they can welcome these people and they can have weddings in their churches and things like that. So there's, there's those kinds of movements afoot. There's also a lot of people in the West who are turning to Eastern religion to, as a uh, as a peaceful way of, of waking up to who they are, so there's a there's a lot going on in the collective world um, that is spiritual in its intention, and it's it's uh, it's opening us as a collective to a new consciousness of who we are. 
on an individual level, uh, these people are, are searching. There's a lot of searching going on. Uh, of what is the real truth? Um, there's a lot of people out there who've been wounded by religion. Uh, spiritual abuse is rampant. Spiritual uh, religious abuse is rampant. And uh, people are, are, are harmed by it. Um, I'm in the process right now of writing a whole book about spiritual abuse to hope, that I hope to have published. Uh, but it is, it is, um, it's a way of abusing the spirit that teaches the spirit that it should go away into the unconscious and not be known to the conscious world and not expose itself to the real world so that, because the real world might reject it. And so we're being taught that the authentic self, the soul or the spirit should go away. It should be unconscious. It should not be, we should not know it and we should not let anybody else see it either. That's spiritual abuse. Religious abuse harms people by telling, uh, by advising people to listen only to the church or the, the temple or the mosque or the, the dogma, the creed. Listen only to that. Don't listen to yourself at all because you might be listening to the whisperings of the devil. You might be listening to some evil heart of your own. You can't ever know what's going on inside of you, so better listen to the law, better listen to the pastor, better listen to the iman, better listen to the rabbi. They know. And so... Uh, that's religious abuse. It tells people, don't go within, listen only to us. And so when you never get to go within, you're being that within, whatever is within is being told to go away. Go into the unconscious. Don't come out because we, we, um, we can't see you. We can't, we can't abide you because you might be wrong. And so that's religious abuse. And so there's people out there who are being abused in those ways and, and, have been taught that they should not awake up. They should not find out who they are. They should not go deeper into themselves to walk the inner terrain and find out who they are as a spirit, as a soul, as an authentic self. That, that, that is too frightening. So they don't want to do that because they've been taught that it's bad to do that. And so there's a lot uh, of that going on because people are searching and they don't know what the truth is. So when somebody says, well, I've got the truth, it's easy to kind of just go, oh, okay, they've got the truth, and I'm just going to listen to that. I'm just going to be okay with that. Um, but the search should be the search within. That's how we wake up. When we, when we have an awakening that's spontaneous, and it just happens to us, what happens is it opens us to the deeper aspects of who we are. Sometimes that just happens. It's not something we've sought after. It's not something we've looked for. It just happens in our lives. And those kind of awakenings are spontaneous and they are, are, are beautiful in, their, in the way that they happen. We can always look back on those and, and, and use those as a touchstone to, to kind of say, uh, you know, that was real. That was a real thing that happened to me. Um, and, and so those kind of awakenings happen spontaneously. There are other awakenings that happen because we have sought after them. We, we, we need to find something deeper, something more meaningful. Perhaps something has happened that's a crisis that's come into our lives that's, that's caused us to know that we need something more deeper, something more meaningful than what we have. Um, and those kind of awakenings are also possible. We'll be talking some more about those as we go today. Um, so 
there's there's several different kinds of awakenings. There's the daily awakening that happens just as we meditate and we wake up a little bit more to the deeper aspect of of, of peace that comes to us as we meditate. There's the the dark night of the soul, which is also an awakening, but it's a very difficult one where we can't seem to meditate and we can't seem to connect to spirit. We don't know how that happened, but it very often happens in the midst of some of our deepest spiritual uh, times where we, we, we feel at one and at peace and, and we feel like we've accomplished some kind of level of understanding about who we are and then all of a sudden we drop into this dark night of the soul and seems to be it seems to make it very hard for us to contact spirit. It makes it very hard for us to 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 know that deeper essence of ourselves. It makes it very hard to find peace. And that may go on for a while, but that also is another awakening because we get to a different level of ourselves when we can't find peace in the old way we used to find it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that too as we go. So these are the kinds of awakenings that happen as we as as we talk as we pr- proceed through life. Uh, being in the flow of life is is another one where I've, where we've talked about at the beginning of the show where where you just are are doing something, you're writing, you're running, you're walking, you're doing your work, uh, you're raising your children, you're doing something and suddenly you feel like you're you're at one in it, you're in alignment. Your brain is working together with your heart and your heart is working together with your soul and your soul is working together with your body and you're you're doing it all in alignment. There's no... There's no part of you that's out of alignment. There's no brain over here thinking, I can't do this. You're, you, you know you can do it. There's no heart over here going, I feel depressed. You, your heart is in it, in, in, in the joy of the moment with you. Uh, there's no body that says, I can't do this. The body is in it, doing it. There's no soul that says, I can't do this. The soul is in it, doing it with you. And you're all at, you're in alignment with all of those things are in alignment with each other and you're in the flow and when you get there it's this marvelous feeling that tells you that you really are being authentic you really are being who you absolutely are this is me this is the real me this is maybe different from who I have acted like in the past but this is the real me and that energy has a awakening power it helps us to know oh this is who I am this is who I am. So these times of awakening are very powerful and they offer us a truth. And we can't measure it empirically. We can't look at that scientifically. And yet scientists have looked at the number of people who've had these kinds of experiences. And what they have discovered is that people all over the world from all different religions are having the same exact kind of experience. So that it's not about religion. There's something bigger than religion out there. And it impacts us in a way that allows us to wake up to who we are. And that's, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. We want to wake up to who we are and be that person. Because that's what we came here to do. I didn't come here to be you. I came here to be me. I didn't come here to please you. I came here to be me. So we're going to be talking more about that as we go. Stay tuned for more right after this break. 
elevate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's quite common for people to wonder whether happiness is real or just an illusion. Yet we all have an inner voice that is telling us that we need to change. Where to begin? Start by taking time out of your schedule every week for Revelations and Wonders, Secrets to Life and Happiness, with host Fabian Edju. There is a true beauty within your soul, and happiness flows from inside. We'll help you find that new confidence within. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Marla Goldberg each week for guided spirit conversations. This show puts you, the listener, in touch with some exciting guests. Hear how they've helped others and find out how you can help too through Marla's charity shoutouts. Are you ready to shift your current life experience? We've got tips, tools, and techniques designed to help you get started. Guided Spirit Conversations can be heard Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about awakenings. But before we go any further, I want to talk about the Super Soul Sunday, one of my favorite things to talk about. On Sunday, September 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific, Dr. Dean and Ann Ornish are going to be interviewed. Oprah invites that medical pioneer, Dr. Dean Ornish, and his wife, Ann, to the Vegetable Garden in Maui. They talk about their new book, Undo It, which highlights four lifestyle changes they claim can reverse both chronic disease and the aging process. That show is also going to air on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, uh, the uh, the podcast date of which is Wednesday, September the 25th. Bet you didn't know that love could affect the physical body. Well, let's hear Dr. Uh, Ornish and Oprah talk about that right now on this clip. You call, actually, the science in this book is based on a love offering. That's right. How important um, for our spiritual well-being? We know love is important for our spiritual well-being, but how does love actually contribute to our physical health? Really good question. Uh, this is a, our conspiracy of love is what we call it, you know, <laughs> um, because, first of all, study after study have shown that people who are lonely and depressed, which I think is the real epidemic in our mm-hmm. culture, 
are yeah. three, to t- three to ten times more likely to get sick and die prematurely yeah. when compared to those who have a sense of love and connection and community. And I think it's because connection we are... Connection is everything. Connection is everything. Intimacy is everything. Mm-hmm. And you can only be intimate to the degree that you feel safe. And so when you're committed to someone, as we are totally committed, the heart opens more and more. You begin to experience more of a greater sense of intimacy. And the more intimate it is, the more pleasurable, the more erotic, the more joyful it becomes, and the more healing it becomes. You know, even the word healing, as you know, comes from the word to make whole. Yoga is from the Sanskrit to yoke, to unite, union. These are really old ideas that we're rediscovering. Wow. I want to be there for that. I hope you'll be there for that, too. Sunday, September 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on TV on the OWN Chat Network. And also uh, the podcast date is September 25th. Uh, That's Oprah's Super Soul Conversations on the podcast. So be there for that. And you want to be here for the rest of the show today because we're talking about awakenings. So let's talk about first how we fell asleep. We fell asleep because of duality. We fell asleep because we got taught based on our misinterpretation of life and of the old writings that are in sacred texts that we are separate from everyone and everything, including the divine. We got taught to believe that we are a body and uh, maybe um, sometimes we are a mind, but that's all. We got taught to believe that we could know other people. We could even know every nasal hair on other people's bodies, but we could not know ourselves because we are a dark mystery. We got taught to believe that our hearts were evil and that, uh, that the body inclines us toward evil. In all of these ways and more, we got taught to believe that we should split off from our very essence We should send it somewhere deep into the unconscious. Not only that, but that's from ancient times. We also, every day in our homes, children are being raised to believe that um, they should not be who they are. They should be what their parents need them to be. There's a great book out there that I love to recommend to people. It's called The Primal Wound, and it's by Furman and Gia. F-I-R-M-A-N and G-I-L-A, two different transpersonal uh, therapists who have done some research on identity. And what they talk about in that book is so profound that I can only recommend it again and again. Um, I recommend it in all of my workshops that I teach about spirituality and therapy and and I, and I recommend it to clients and I recommend it to friends. I just continually recommend it because it tells the story of how we got in the shape we're in today, individually. Um, so what happens in most of our homes is, uh, and it is by degree, of course, in some homes, your authentic self is outright rejected with cruelty and uh, malintent. Um, in other homes, there's not an intent to reject your authenticity, but the authenticity is rejected nevertheless. Uh, so some people are trying hard to do well by their children, but they're just raising their children the way their parents raised them. And some people just don't know that there is an authentic self, and so they don't know how to mirror it in other people. Uh, so it's, we, we, we tend to think that child rearing is more about discipline and love, we tend to believe now that love is part of the picture, but we tend to believe that, that it's more about molding a child than it is about receiving a child. 
and uh, uh, allowing the child to grow and learn in, in an environment which has its own boundaries and has its own discipline. Um, we tend to believe that um, that because we are separate from who we actually are, then our children will be too. We don't even know we're doing that, but that but we are doing it. So in Furman and Gia's book, what they talk about is a family trance where everyone in the family does the same thing that that they're taught to do, although no one ever sits down and says, now this is what we do in this family. In this family, we never express our feelings. Nobody ever says that, but everybody knows not to express their feelings. That's a family trance. And uh, so in dysfunctional families, or fa- the, which are dysfunctional by degree, as we know, uh, there is this sense that I have to give up my authenticity to participate in this family. And in the family, there's a pressure to conform to the idea of who you ought to be as my child. You're my child, and I have this idea about who you ought to be. So I, I sort of have this nonverbal communication with you, which is the only kind of communication I can receive as an infant between the ages of zero and three. I'm really receiving much more nonverbal cues than I am verbal cues because I don't really understand the verbal cues. So I'm receiving information from your body language. I'm receiving information from your eye contact. I'm receiving information from the voice tones. I'm receiving information just from my intuition about what it is that you're telling me. I'm getting all this information from you. And I'm also, as an infant, I'm looking for a mirror to look into to say, who am I? Not just who am I, but who do you want me to be? And how will I belong to you? And can I belong to you as who I am? Or do I have to change who I am to belong to you? And most of us get the answer that I have to, I have to change who I am in order to belong in this family. I can't be who I actually am. I have to be what this family needs me to be. So in highly dysfunctional families where there's a lot of abuse and or neglect, um, I grow up believing that I'm, I'm someone who can, you can beat up. I'm someone who doesn't really matter. I'm someone who you don't have to pay attention to. I'm someone who is alone in the world and must find his or her own way independent of you. But that's the only way I'll survive. Uh, in families where there's less dysfunction, uh, but some still, there's this sense that um, in order to belong in this family, I, I need to comply with whatever it is the pressure in this family wants me to comply with. And if that means I never get to express my feelings, then I'll just put my feelings away. I just won't know them, so I can't ever worry about expressing them because I don't even know them. Um, so that's basically a very simplified version of the story told by Furman and Gia in The Primal Wound. Um, I hope that their sales, go, book sales go up a great deal today <laughs> based on this uh, plug I'm putting for their book because it's really worth the read. Um, so basically what they're saying is that we lose track with who we are at a very early age. Bruce Lipton tells us in his book, The Honeymoon Effect, that uh, between the ages of zero and seven is when we form our identities. And an identity can be very separate and distinct from your authentic self. I can act like, think like, feel like somebody 
that is very different than who I am because I've pretended to myself that I am that person. And so I generate thoughts and feelings that match that. And so um, I can put on a mask and costume. And I, I have in my book, Restoring My Soul, and in the book, uh, Letting Go of Good, that's most recent, I've talked about uh, some of the roles we can play in our um, in this in these identities. There's the scapegoat role. There's the good guy role, which I talk about in depth in the book, Letting Go of Good. There's the there's uh, the victim role. There's the bully role. There's the Superman role or Superwoman role. There's the superhero or rescuer role. There's the uh, lost child or the the runaway role. These are all various roles we can play that carry their own thoughts and feelings, and we can act that life out and generate a whole life out of that identity. There's the caregiver role. We've seen this very often with, with children who come up in homes where there's a lot of addiction. One of the children ends up taking care of the rest of the children. And grows up believing that that's her or his, very often a her, but sometimes a him, uh, who that's the role they have to play. That's just who they are. That's just who I am. I'm just the one who takes care of everybody. Everybody comes to me when they want something done. They come to me and I get it done. And And that's because everybody pressures that person into that particular role because everybody's in the family trance and everybody agrees to pressure that person into that role. And that person agrees to take that role because that's the only way they're going to belong in this family. So they sacrifice the self for a sense of belonging. And this belonging is extremely important to the psychology of an infant or a young child. And and so they give up who they are. So what's happening there is they're giving up their souls. They're giving up their souls in order to be connected to other people. Now, what's going to happen is the soul's going to sit down there in the unconscious and find little ways to wake us up. It's going to try to wake us up through dreams. It's going to try to wake us up through relationships. It's going to try to wake us up through happenstance. It's going to try to make it wake us up through circumstance. It's going to try to wake us up in all kinds of ways. And, and if we're listening, we'll wake up. At some point, we'll begin to wake up. If we're not listening, we just harden ourselves to that voice, and we may have tragedies happen, but they don't teach us anything. We may have crises come, but they don't. We don't learn from them. We may have uh, uh, awakenings that that seem to be trying to get our attention, but we're not attending to them. We're not paying attention. So we see people whose lives are really fraught with chaos and and uh, maybe addiction or, um, and they just keep spiraling down and spiraling down and spiraling down into a deep, dark hole and nothing seems to get any better and they just keep making the same mistakes over and over again and they keep doing the same old thing, looking for different results, as they say the definition of insanity is. And they, they are not learning anything. That's because they have d- continually decided again and again and again that, it's dangerous for whatever reason, whether it's betraying the family or a sense of I won't belong anymore or a sense that I, I, I've done too much damage already. There's too much river under the water under the bridge that, you know, whatever the reason they've decided not to wake up. 
And then again, we see other people who go through traumatic childhoods and become these amazing people who are uh, very ethically grounded and responsible and wise and self-guided and self, no, they know how to self-soothe. Um, they, they've awakened and they've become deeper and deeper selves. They, they continually awake um, so that they continue to uh, promise themselves uh, newer and higher understandings of themselves and they, they, they never break their own promise. So, uh, you know, so awakenings are trying to happen to everybody, but not everybody's willing to listen. And, uh, and the psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. So what the psyche is, the psyche is the soul. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, what dreams. The psyche is what dreams at night. Um, the psyche is what speaks to us through dreams. The psyche is what comes up in, in our meditation that seems to speak to us. The psyche is what, what we become aware of through synchronicity. Something happens that seems to match something we're thinking, and we go, oh, well, that's very meaningful and powerful. Um, um, we can have all kinds of things like that. Carl Jung came up with the synchronistic, synchronicity term when he was meeting with a client, a patient, who was talking about a dream of a scarab beetle. And right at that simultaneous moment, a scarab beetle clunked onto the window and they both turned and looked and saw the scarab beetle right as he was talking about the dream about the scarab beetle. And Carl Jung said that was a synchronistic moment that, that said how important and powerful that, that particular symbol was in understanding this man's psyche. And it turned out to be very important and, and to, to the man's psyche. So, um, that's, you know, that's synchronicity. We can all have those kind of moments that help to awaken us. The psyche is always trying to get us to wake up. The psyche is always trying to speak to us. And if we can just be with the psyche for long enough to hear it, then we, we might awaken. We might, it might not be, a, a, you know, a, one of those huge awakenings that just seems to change us for a lifetime. But we get little awakenings all day, every day if we're listening. And that's what I really want to communicate, that this awakening thing is not just something that happens once in some big term that's life-changing. You know, people have uh, near-death experiences, for example, that seem to awaken them and, and they're enlightened after that and they, they it changes their whole perspective on life and it changes how they view death and it changes everything everything after that changes and uh, we think well that's the kind of awakening most of us are looking for some big light bulb some some road to Damascus awakening that's going to make us uh, see things clearer now and uh, what I want to say is very often awakening is just a slow steady process day by day steady process where we just open more and more and more slowly over time to the reality of who we are. I'm becoming more aware of my power. I'm becoming more aware of my own personal desires. I'm becoming more aware of my own um, needs. I'm becoming more aware of my own boundaries. I'm becoming more aware of the things that make me anxious and the things that make me, um, make me want to get off the road. 
to awakening, that I'm becoming more aware of everything that's inside of me. I'm becoming more aware of my shadow. So that kind of a slow, steady process is, is a part of the awakening as well. And I want to really, I want to, I want to talk about that because I think that's much more common than these huge awakenings that we read about in books. Um, you know, most people aren't going to have some huge life-shattering awakening. Most people are going to have those little small awakenings every day. And so I really want to, I really want to hone in on that and we'll be doing that right after the break. So stay tuned for more right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough? Or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with her successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles on Voice America Empowerment and get ready to soar. As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about awakenings and what it means to awaken and how that process works. Um, and we've already said that uh, awakenings can happen in various ways. Sometimes we have very big awakenings. Sometimes there's collective awakenings. Sometimes we have little minor daily awakenings that happen slowly over time and we become slowly more aware of who we are. And it's that that I want to talk about now because I think those are most common in the daily routine of our lives. We can awaken more and more and more to who we are. And one of the first things that I want to recommend to help us awaken is meditation. Meditation is very helpful in getting in touch with what goes on inside of us. 
Sometimes there's all kinds of energies clamoring for our attention. We've got all kinds of compartmentalized or what I call orphaned energies inside of us. So we might not know about there's parts of us that have never been parented, parts of us that have never been loved, parts of us that have never been known. And those parts want to be known and they want to come up into our conscious awareness so that we can come to know them and, and love them and parent them. Um, so, uh, you know, we can, so for example, anxiety, anxiety is one of those things that can, may, may have been compartmentalized and suddenly you become aware later in life that you have uh, some anxiety and, uh, what, what needs to happen is we need to bring that anxiety in, into conscious awareness. Look at the triggers, look at what's going on there and, and tune in to what, what's really going on with the anxiety. What is it telling you? Where did you get those messages? Those messages are probably not true, but you got those messages and you have believed those messages for a long time. And, and so you, you come, to, um, come to see more about what that anxiety is trying to tell you. And as you do that, it begins to feel less and less orphaned and it ha- begins to be empowered to give you a, a message without you having to be so anxious to get the message. And that, that's integrating it. What we want to do is integrate these forces within us. We don't want to send them away. A lot of times what people want to do when, we get, when they feel anxious, for example, is I just want this feeling to go away. Well, I can understand that. It's not a pleasant feeling. But um, making it go away means it's only going to come back louder because it wants to be heard. It wants to be seen. It wants to, to not have to be orphaned anymore. It's come to your attention because it needs your attention. And, and that's, you know, when we, when we look at it from that perspective, then we're looking at it from the perspective of integration and wholeness. Integration makes us whole. Splitting off things from ourselves keeps us from being whole. And so what we want to do when we awaken is we want to become more whole. And that's the process of uniting the mind, the body, the spirit, and the heart all in one place so, so that you're in alignment constantly. Um, anger is another one that comes up for us and, and as a shadow and, it, and we, we, you know, we don't want to be angry. We want to be, you know, most people want to think that anger is a bad thing and that we shouldn't feel anger. But anger, as I've said several other times on this show, is a message from your soul. It has come to say, I am, I am here, I am real, and I matter. That's what your anger is trying to tell, not other people, but you. Your anger is trying to tell you that you are here, you are real, and you matter to you. You matter to you. That's why you're angry, because you love yourself. You're angry because you love yourself and you feel that something has happened, someone has been unfair, someone has been unkind, something has happened which is seems unfair or unkind, and you, uh, you just... Uh, you know, you have to express that. You have to you have to become aware of that so that you can express that, and it ha- and it then you can solve the problem. In in some cases, not all cases, can't always solve the problem. But in a lot of cases, you can solve the problem by recognizing it and putting up boundaries and um, speaking to the people that you need to speak to and coming to some kind of resolve. So. Uh, anger is another one of those that comes up for us. Fear, fear is the same as anxiety. Fear can be rational. It can be irrational. 
you're standing in the middle of the street and there's a Mack truck coming, you need to be afraid. Um, and it's going to make you move. Uh, on the other hand, you can have irrational fears, fears that tell you that you can't make it, that there's, that, that you know, terrible things are going to happen, you're going to be punished, you're guilty, you're a bad person. You know, those kind of fears can tell you that you're, you're going to be punished because you're not a good person. And ultimately, punishment belongs to you. And so I see a lot of that where people tend to believe that, that I'm a bad person deep down inside and punishment is owed to me, so I'm just waiting for that other shoe to fall. And, and that makes them very afraid. It makes them very anxious. So, um, you know, that's another one of those things that can come up for us. But what also can come up is new awareness of love. We can, we can grow deeper in our love for other people. Um, because we've become more intimate with ourselves, we can also become more intimate with other people. And that's just exactly what Dr. Dean Ornish and his wife Anne were talking about and are going to talk about on Super Soul Sunday coming up, where love, intimacy, is vital to our well-being. It's vital to our physical health, vital to our mental health. And um, so you know, intimacy is, is first and foremost, I've come to know myself, and therefore I can tell you about who I am. I can tell you how I feel. I can tell you what I'm thinking. I can tell you my worst fears. I can tell you my my most embarrassing moments. I can tell you who I am because I know who I am. But if I don't know who I am, I can't tell you who I am. I can't tell me who I am. So how am I going to tell you who I am? So the first step in intimacy is becoming intimate with the self. I have to be able to have a self in order to become intimate with other people. In fact, I have to have a self in order to have self-esteem. I can't esteem a self that I don't even know. Otherwise, I'm just esteeming an, an identity. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living in an identity and trying my best to like it. But sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes people say to me, when I come into my office, they say, I hate myself. And I say, who is the I that hates? And who is the self that is hated? What is that? What is that split off? There's an I in there that hates and another me in there that is hated. What's going on there? There's a split off. We want to get acquainted with that. So those kind of questions can help us get more acquainted. I really encourage people to dialogue with their own emotions, not just have the emotion and be scared of it or, you know, try to push it away, but really dialogue with it. Allow that emotion to come sit in your lap and tell you what it's thinking and feeling and you just sit there with it for a while and then you might ask it some questions. Where did you come from? How, what is it that you believe? What is it that this emotion believes? Because that belief is going to tell you, you know, where that emotion came from. Very often we have emotions that we have ad- adapted from other people. If mom was always angry and confused and confounded, we may find ourselves angry and confused and confounded as adults and not know where that came from. But if we, if we can sit with that emotion for a while and ask it, where did it come from? Then we can awaken to a deeper level of understanding about ourselves. And we can then go, oh, I got that from my mother. I'm just doing what my mother did because that's what I thought was the safest way to live. 
because that's what children are in, intuiting from their parents is, oh, they're doing that and they're safe, so that must be how you live safely. Uh, so, uh, so waking up to 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 our emotion, <clears throat> our emotions helps us to waken to deeper aspects of the self. Mm-hmm. Waking up to your desire is very very important. I've said this probably a thousand times on this show, but I'm going to say it again. Desire is sacred. We've been taught that desire is selfish. That if you have a desire, you're just it's just selfish. You know. If you want something for yourself, you're being selfish. But desire comes straight from the soul, and it is sacred. And one of the ways that we can tell that is the very word for the Western God, uh, Jehovah, which is often called Yahweh in the in, in the translations that we see. The word is uh, rooted in the word to be, and that is rooted in the word desire. So actually, the word for Yahweh is the desire to be. The desire to be. And I freaking love that. <laughs> I love that because what it says is that we, uh, that we are also, as that creation, or if we are a creation of the divine, then we are the being that he desired. He, she, it desired. We are that creation that was desired. So we are loved. We are desired. And, and, and then what happens within us is the spirit in us also desires to be. And it wants to create a life that fulfills that beingness inside of us. So uh, there's an awakening there. One of the ways that I wake up also is, is by looking at the root language in the Western text in particular, I haven't looked so much at the root language in the Eastern text, though I have studied the Eastern texts. Um, but I've looked at the root language in the Western text because the root language is very different from the translations extant. The translations uh, have picked out one word that matches the political and religious intention of the days when it was translated. Um, and it was already decided uh, you know what, what, what certain things meant. Like they made decisions about who Jesus was. So they made de- uh, they made some decisions about who Jesus was. So they decided that Jesus was not a being who had come here to show us what it was like to be God in human form. He was not that. That was a heresy. No, he was he was God in human form, but he was the only one that could ever be like him. He wasn't here to show us uh, who to be, how to be God in human form. He was here to show us, to, to forgive us for our sins, to die for our sins. That was the interpretation that was accepted. And so every translation after that had to match that interpretation. And so all the other uh, sacred scriptures that said that, God, that Jesus came here to show us how to be God in human form, those were tossed out as heresy. So uh, that's just one example of many of how the translations were politicized to match the polit- politics of the time, particularly around the, uh, uh, the, the conference at Nicaea, the Council of Nicaea, uh, when, when Constantine was the emperor and he was trying to unite his country under one religion. 
So there's a history there that's not really well known to, to the Western world. And, and uh, so I like to study that root language. And what that root language tells me is that we're all one with the divine. And that Jesus came here to show us that we're divine. And that we can be divine beings. In, and that's an awakening. So we can, we can learn, awaken more by getting more in touch with our shadow. We can awaken more by getting more in touch with our emotions. We can awaken more by getting more in touch with our desires and trying to fulfill them. We can awaken more by studying sacred texts. We can awaken more through the power of, uh, of uh, walking through life and looking for the circumstance to, be, uh, to give us information about life. We can be with ourselves in a crisis and try to get the wisdom from that crisis. All of these things are ways that we can begin to wake up to who we are. And when I say to who we are, I mean to who we are as spirit united with body and mind and heart. Who we are as an aligned being. So that's going to be our show for today. That's all we've got. And we're going to be back again next week with more. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 